You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. I want to lead the show off with a pretty important question because last week on the pod, you made a pretty, you kicked up a bit of a fuss, made a pretty big declaration about Wizard basically being dead in Blitz. Mm. Uh, and then you've turned around and it does look a little bit like you were trying to set people up for the Battle <laughs> Hardened last weekend. If I didn't say Kano, I definitely misspoke. And I stand by, Kano is just dog tier right now. But the re- So I actually wasn't planning to play that event. I um, was boycotting Blitz. And last, last minute, uh, Michael Fang came from New York to stay with me. He, he woke me up out of my bed and he said, Brendan, what better way to get back at Brian Gottlieb than winning this tournament with Wizard? And I was like, you know, we'll do it. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to show that the Stormstriders ban on Icelander is not enough. It's still the best deck in Blitz. Um, and Kano did not need to die for those sins. But yeah, Kano is bad, and Icelander is, in my opinion, I, I genuinely believe this, Icelander, at least the list that I was playing, which was not my list, it was given to me by, by Michael Fang, um, and I do believe it is a Wolfpack list. Uh, woo! Uh, it's busted. It's super good. It was very fun to play, uh, and I actually really enjoyed the event. All right. Well, we'll, we'll hold off the, uh, I guess, the mob for this week, maybe. So of course you did uh, you did compete on on Sunday. Uh, it's better hard Dallas was Saturday. Uh, Class constructor. We'll, we'll dive into that. But uh, as well, Blitz was a it was a PTI event, right? So winner got a PTI, and I think you maybe was there was there some sort of gold foil or something as well. Yeah. So I got to the finals. Like I said, Michael Fang came uh, came down to Texas, but he came uh, kind of essentially with Yuanji. Yuanji was staying with someone else. Yuanji is also from New York, um, and both me and Yuanji made it to the finals. So we just chopped it. Uh, uh, he was on old him, and I was on Icelander. So I don't know. We played it back. Yeah, we played it back. Uh, but we just chopped it. He got the he got the gold foil. Um, I took the PTI, and then we split all the prize money. Because basically, the way the PTI events work, if you don't know, you have to win, or you pretty much don't get anything. <laughs> it's pretty rough. It's like winner gets a PTI, a gold foil, and fifteen hundred tickets, and second place gets like. I think it's a thousand tickets, which is effectively a hundred dollars, but that's a really big drop off. That's like over a thousand dollars to probably less than a hundred dollars. Fair enough. Sounds good, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, what are what are we? What is this pod about this week, Brennan? Tell us about episode seventy nine of Arsenal Pass, and then I want to hear a bit about your week in Flesh and Blood as well. Yeah, so it's just um, with Worlds on the horizon, you need to be thinking about Blitz. You need to be ready for Blitz and. Um, yeah, it's a serious. It, whether or not you think that it's a it's a serious format or if it has competitive integrity, you're gonna have to play it, and you're gonna have to play it for debatably the five most important rounds of the entire tournament. Um, so we're just gonna be breaking down the format from what we saw. It's sort of the first, uh, I don't know, showcase of said format, right? So this is since the bans, uh, and yeah, I mean, like the, I think the last big samples, like the last big data that we have is mostly from the team tournament, um, and we're working with a lot, you know both uprising and the band so a lot of things going into it uh, a lot of changes were made the meta that showed up was not what i was expecting and i do expect uh the meta to adapt quite a bit moving forward to be honest what why i guess a, a quick question is you know you talked about five rounds of blitz at worlds which is, is definitely true so for the 250 players but potentially because at least if it gets the last five rounds there's probably gonna be a lot of people dropping before we get to the blitz rounds why should anyone else care about blitz right now why should anyone else care about Blitz right now? Yeah. Um, I don't have a... F- I, so the thing is, is like I think that Blitz is a fun format. I know a lot of Armories play Blitz. So if you're, a per- if you're a player that plays at Armories, Blitz is going to be a relevant format for you, period. Um, if you're not, I don't think it's completely... I don't think it's unlikely that we see Blitz as a pro-level format in things like Callings moving forward into 2023. I could be wrong, but I think that it will be, if not for Callings, for those sort of days... Th- Three of uh, day two events, right? If you don't make day two, you can go play like the PTI event, basically what I played this past weekend. And I would not be surprised to see quite a bit of that being Blitz because we are coming off the back of a supplemental set. Uh, nevertheless, if none of those things sort of wet your whistle, I think that Blitz is. Uh, I think it's. I think it's actually pretty fun right now. I'll, I'll bail you out on this one, yeah. 
Go for it, go for it. I, <laughs> I agree. I mean, we've got uh, these PCI events that look like they're happening pretty regularly on, in conjunction with Battle Hardens now. It's weird because these weren't really announced by LSS, these PCI events that are happening with Battle Hardens. So they're effectively giving out three PCIs on a weekend for a lot of these things now. But what is, what is happening is they're helping supplement some of these events that are happening. So we saw them at Nationals, of course. Um, I think majority of Nationals, if not all the Nationals. We've also seen them now at SCG Con, and uh, we're going to see them at a few other events. But the other thing as well, like you talked about, is of course, you know, armories, depending on what, what armories you're playing. But with the impending release of Dynasty as well, that is of something to see. Like you say, Blitz is going to continue to be really relevant. And we're going to head into another skirmish season as well, which is inevitably going to be Blitz unless something drastically changes. But Alice has said Blitz with Limited is kind of the way that they look at those events moving forward anyway. Um, plus, actually, Brennan, like you said, outside of Worlds, I expect in Q1 or Q2 of 2023 us to have a Pretty significant blitz level event, I think. Another calling or the like. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah, we're coming off the back of a supplemental set in the form of Dynasty. So your sort of limited callings are not really on the table. I would be pretty disappointed for to have any major professional events before the next limited set to be Uprising Draft. Cool. Yeah, it would be. I, I think that everybody would universally dislike that. So uh, we will likely see main format being class constructed, but I 100% expect Blitz to not only probably get its own calling or multiple callings, but be the format of those sort of, you know, if you miss out on day two. Uh, Have we heard anything about, about ProQuest? Like, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see ProQuest or, you know, maybe not the first uh, season of ProQuest. So ProQuest season, I guess it's three, but ProQuest season four potentially be, um, be Blitz. You know, like it, it kind of, as you move forward with this format post a supplemental set, we've already seen stuff that would make sense in Blitz. It's... Um, yeah, I, I don't think we've seen anything for ProQuest Season 3 yet at all, other than... Actually, I don't think we've seen anything at all, so you know that could happen as well. Yeah, I would keep in mind, I would say, like, if we get... Obviously, we've gotten the Emperor uh, in Dynasty, but if we get some more young heroes as well, because uh, I think... I know in you know Crucible, they threw us a few young heroes, and in Everfest as well. Uh, it's something to look out for. If we get, like, th three or four young heroes in total out of Dynasty, it kind of makes sense for Blitz to be more at the forefront as a competitive format just to experience the set design that they give us in the set well they're pushing it forward as well like we're seeing this obviously at world championship we're going to have the blitz format um but you know more focus and scrutiny on the the format as, as a whole so with the band suspended announcements of course where that's kind of moving and it feels like a, a real attempt whether you agree or not with you know the cards like stormstriders being banned brendan uh, to to balance the format and to turn it into a format with I would say a bit more integrity and and a bit more meta gaming to it. So um yeah, really interested to see. I I the more I talk about it, the more I really wouldn't be surprised, and I might actually be pleasantly surprised to see let's be the format for ProQuest season three if it feels like it's in a good spot, especially post Dynasty. But with the caveat, I think of I wonder if we see a slightly different format for these ProQuests. I think you know an X plus one round scenario is not where you want to be. It might, you might want to be at like say X plus two or three so that you've got say X threes making top eights in a, in a ProQuest event uh, might be a little bit better just based on the format being so fast and, and things like that. So interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I've uh, I guess I kind of have a funny story about that, which we'll leave to later about how I started off my Sunday event. Uh, Cause it was uh, not well, in the best way. <laughs> Let's jump straight into it. Tell us about your week in Flesh and Blood and tell us about the weekend, of course. Let's take us through it. So you battle hard in Dallas, uh, which I know Michael Fang ended up winning on Saturday, yourself taking out the PTI event on Sunday. Big congrats to both of you. What what did you play on Saturday or did you just not bother showing up for the event, Brendan? So on Saturday, I played Bravo, which is effectively the same as not showing up. Basically, the way it went down in my head is that I would rather play a quote-unquote fun deck than play a sort of meta deck that I'm un Bravo? that I'm unpracticed on. Yeah, so I played I played Bravo. I know that uh, dude, honestly for years I've hated Bravo, hate everything about kind of Guardian. Uh especially OG Bravo. I thought it was so boring. But he's got a few more tools and uh it is fun to, you know, hit fives with crush effects that completely disable their ability to play the game, which is what I was actually trying to do because I know that Texas and the region um, you know, down here at least in the south is there's a lot of fi. Um Turns out I was slightly off on that meta prediction. There was a lot more Icelander and Oldham than I expected, which didn't actually hurt me that bad. But um, yeah, I did expect more Fi. 
That being said, yeah, what was playing Bravo came into round one, lost to an Icelander. So that Bravo list actually against like uh, Michael Hamilton's Bolander list, you can totally win. Uh, it's I, me and Michael Fang played it quite a bit the night before. It was like 50 50. I felt very comfortable, but I unfortunately paid into an Icelander that was the old sort of more traditional list, list with freezing point. Um, and I, yeah, it's very hard for me to beat that. I have to go extremely fast, uh, cause I'm just going to get comboed for my entire health. If I had zealous belts into the deck, I might have been able, um, to win, but I actually had an IP three because me and Michael Fang were also late on Saturday. So basically we showed up. Yeah. We showed up on Saturday. We were in the venue. Michael was like, I'm a bit hungry. So he decided to start eating a sandwich. And I was like, look through my deck, realized I had 81 cards. I'm looking for the, the last card. That's, you know, the extra card. And then Michael texts Yuanji. He's like, where are you? Like, what, like what, they haven't announced anything. And Yuanji's mid match. He's like on table six seventeen. So yeah, we got, we both got IP threes. Michael ended up winning his match, but I lost to the Icelander. Honestly, pairing into Icelander with IP with, uh, IP3 is probably best case scenario for me, to be honest. If I paired into five, I probably would have been pretty tilted because I would have lost because of that IP3. Whereas I think I lost because of my deck building decision. After that, um, I basically got to round six. Uh, you know, I won all my matches to round six and I played against Brody Spurlock, a name that a lot of people know by now. He was on Briar. Uh, it was a great back and forth match until he hit me for 31 damage. There's <laughs> just not much I could do. After that, um, and yeah, I ended up winning my last match. So I, I ended X2 and missed top eight. I think I got 12th. Um, but yeah, I played a sort of a deck that I sort of whipped together you know, the night before. And you know, I guess it was quote unquote fun. Uh, that might be one way to put it. I'm, I'm surprised when you said fun and then bravo and you use them in the same sentence. I was quite surprised about that, but just based on your, your history with, with Guardian. But this is, I just dug this up, Brendan, because I wanted to find this. This is a message I sent to Brendan on yeah. the, this is my Saturday evening. So this would have been Brendan's like very early Saturday morning. So before the event, it might even be the night before, I guess. Uh, I say, what are you playing for Battle Hardened, by the way? Please say not bravo, unless you've got some ultimate Iceland attack. <laughs> And then, because I saw a random message you like posted. I did not like play our, that our, list, by the way. The, the one I sent you, yeah, I did not I didn't look at the list. Yeah. yeah, I didn't look at the list. I just saw that you had like said, oh, might play Bravo. And I was like, oh, good joke. And then I like went away. And then I was like, I'm going to message him. Surely he's not playing Bravo. <laughs> and then you just messaged me back, go, Bravo, lol. I can be Icelander. And then, <laughs> and then I find out what you played against round one. Icelander, lost. <laughs> With an IP3. So there's a, yeah, a silver. I'm just like, saying. I'm just saying. The devil's in the details of that one. Um, yeah. That a freezing point Icelander, pretty hard matchup. But Bolander, I would have been fine. Uh, and I beat a bunch. I beat Icelanders and uh, old times after that too. Yeah. Um, tell us about your your. So you you went X two in the end on the Saturday, uh, Miss mm. Top Eight. What about Sunday? So again, showing up late. I heard <laughs> punctuality maybe not your specialty at events. Uh, I, I would recommend not doing that for World Series. You do need to be in the coverage booth. I would say punctuality, not Michael Fang's. <laughs> what was oh, funny? Okay. What was funny is on. So we obviously we both got IP threes, and we were like, okay, we'll get up earlier for Sunday. Uh, I wasn't planning on playing, so we get up on Sunday. Michael was very relaxed in his uh, his demeanor, so I was like, oh, he was really not worried about getting there on time, I guess. And apparently, he was telling me he was like. In, like inside he was just stressing but i asked him for his i was like okay i'll play can you give me your Icelander list or whatever so um he had to sort of break down the deck and give that to me and we ended up being a little bit late because we had to run back for cards for brody um and uh yeah so we get there and the issue is actually we didn't sign up so they paired the round then we went signed up so we got the automatic round one loss the way it works in a pti event is if you get a round one loss like that you do have to go undefeated um which i did and yeah, the Icelander list just getting in like, well, we'll break it down a bit more, but it was very powerful. There was four Icelanders at the event. The event was mostly fine. Old him. Um, and all of my matches felt fundamentally unfair in my favor. Uh, most of them were not close. My closest match was actually against a Kasai in my last round. And it kind of just ended up that way. Outside of that, I think that the, the deck had favorable matchups into Every sort of medium tier deck, which kind of includes Kasai and all friends, and then into Oldham, very favorable. Into Fi, seemed quite favorable. Into Chain, favorable. I didn't play against Briar, and then Prism was probably going to be the hardest matchup, but the Prisms were, for the most part, except for the one that made top eight, were getting eaten alive by all those Fi decks. Okay, fair enough. Good, uh, good recap. Well, 
my week in flesh and blood has just been more testing Brennan. So nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, blitz, some CC, and uh, I moved house. So I have a blank canvas behind me. I need to, my rooms, my, my office is a mess. I need to sort some stuff out. So uh, that's, that's on the cards the rest of the week. We're heading to the news. Yeah. What do you have for us? Well, uh, Brendan, you actually prepped the notes this week. So I, <laughs> no, I have some notes. Um, news. I think that the, the biggest is that we've just started to trickle through and find these spoilers. So if you haven't sort of seen what's been happening with this, uh, preview cards have been previewed. We're seeing some stuff outside of interesting. I said this to Brendan this morning. I said, Funny that we have this like official preview season of the 30th to the third or whatever it is, the 31st to the second. <laughs> and then we've got, we've already had like seven or eight uh, preview cards. I was a bit uh, confused about kind of the, the loud of it, but I think basically, you know, there's a lot of cards in the set and um, there's, you know, there's these marvels and stuff. They really want to show off these, these new weapons, which, which look really cool. So um, they have been allowing uh, creators who have been given these early to show them, of course, in whatever way they like. So uh, we have seen some cards already and, and people have been kind of like talking about it on Twitter and stuff. You're not kind of involved in that discourse, but they just want to kind of like rattle off some of these these cards, Brendan, and maybe get your thoughts on any of the ones that you particularly like. We had already talked about Blessing of Aether and uh, Yoji because we'd seen those in the armory kits for this current month, for the month of October. But since then, we have seen some of these these Marvel weapons. So we've seen this Merciless Battle Axe, which is a, a warrior weapon axe, two-handed axe. Uh, we've seen this, uh, probably the coolest name, I think, and, and this art looks awesome, to be honest, this Hanabi Blaster. Mm. Um, this Mechanologist weapon, gun two-handed. That's a uh, once-per-turn action that requires you to remove two steam counters and has this new keyword, Overpower. Uh, if you want to go check these out, you can... Uh, I think the best way probably to see this is if you're part of the Discord, you can go into the, the preview channel and see all these. Uh, either on on ours or on the main discord powder keg is a really interesting card this is a mechanologist majestic action item zero cost blue that we've seen as well brendan that says whenever a mechanologist gun you control hits you may destroy powder keg and a defending equipment mm. so you know potential to blow some stuff up there more equipment hate and your favorite card i think so far amethyst tiara which is a rune blade equipment head defense for one and uh, says instant destroy amethyst tiara rune chance control have spell void one this turn and it has blade break and then the thing we saw this morning from Team Covenants uh, previewing is this uh, this shield, the Seasoned Savior, which is a Guardian Equipment offhand. Uh, defends for three, has better worn, but when you equip it, so when you start the game with it, you put two minus one counters on it. And to go along with that, there's a, there's a card that removes some some counters. Uh, I think it's called like Reinforced Steel that can remove some of those better worn counters off of offhand weapons. And then I think last one we've seen this morning is a card called Sap, which is deal three arcane damage to a target hero. Cost zero, uh, it's a wizard action, and it has Surge. And Surge is a, is a keyword that says, if this deals more than three damage to a hero, you may remove an energy counter from a permanent they control. So interesting, lots of stuff happening there. What are energy counters, Brendan? Um, yeah, the, I think that maybe energy counters are used on Tunic and Olivia and Costello so far, but I could be incorrect. Yeah. It's it's a weird, weird, weird mechanic. Uh, spe- I, got a, I got a bone to pick with the Runeblade Tiara, obviously. So my issue, like, obviously, it's more Kano hate, which kind of pisses me off <laughs> because it's just like, stop. Like, Kano's already having a hard time. But I also think that this equipment is borderline unplayable unless there's some way to get, like, plus EV using it in like a rune blade mirror or something. I think that this this is actually very bad against wizard generally. It's okay versus Aether Wildfire if you plan to have rune chance up, which is actually quite unlikely. Um, unless there's some sort of instant speed way to create rune chance in response and then pop the tiara. Uh, yeah, I think that it actually kind of sucks, but there could be some form of like there could be some use case of it where you use it in like a rune blade mirror or it's some it can just efficiently blocks them. But this, it, I don't see that happening because the rune blades, you're actually sacrificing the rune chance, right? So um, you should be losing value for the most part or kind of netting equal. Uh, so I actually don't think it's that good, but I am bummed to see more spell void. I think spell void is sort of a non-interactive and boring mechanic. You don't have to do anything for it. It just exists on a permanent on the battlefield and you just pop it and it's sort of, uh, you know, it, it blocks damage. I don't think that's very cool. And to, so not a big fan of the card, but uh, the mechanologist weapon, pretty cool i think that that's going to be played i think it'll be in most sideboards um for mechanologist decks obviously it is more on the boost side 
powder keg is great. I think the warrior axe sucks. <laughs> um, and I think the guardian shield might suck as well, but the it's kind of TBD for more cards to be released. Yeah. Hanami Blossom has no cost, you know, effective sort of resource cost in terms of it's a once per turn action, move two counters. And the way you get counters is by boosting. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's funny that you said, you know, you don't like this interactive spell void thing. Didn't you just play a deck that had frost hexes in the weekend? Uh, yeah, but I actually never had to cast them. That's the thing. It's like that deck has, uh, if someone wants to play total Oldham into that deck, it can combo. But outside of that, the deck never needs to combo because it does so much physical damage on its own turn that it creates windows, which is basically how wizard does damage. So yeah. And it just like emeritus is them on their turn and inevitably leaks damage. So you really can't fatigue the deck. Um, and if you actually try to and you for some reason are packing races or spite sink below and even rejuvenate, then it will just combo you. Fair enough. I'm just trying to, you know, keep you accountable for the cards and the things you call uh, it was Michael Fang's an deck. interactive fun. Don't and point at me. Michael Fang's deck hey, I'm just hey. a pilot. Play Bravo on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I like Fairfax. All, all the Bravo listeners tuning out now. They're they're sick of me. Um Otherwise, in the news, I mean, that's kind of it. I just want to remind people that we do have our preview card coming up. Ours is going to be, as far as I know, still in that preview window. Uh, I believe ours is November 2nd, so look out for that. Not yep. sure when, how, why, what. Where. I think it's confirmed. We'll it's a confirmed a cold foil like token or common because uh, we gave LSS so much slack for some of their recent ban announcements that we've been downgraded from our previous status. And we're going to, it could be a cool common, but uh might be sort of on the level of invigorate or something like that. Well, yeah, I gave, I gave LSS an 8.5 last week in the, uh, I did the, too. The yeah. I, I really like it. I, it took you a lot. Seven. That's, that's a really high grade for me. That's really high. <laughs> um, Flesh and blood is celebrating three years. In the flesh and blood this week, uh, doing a few giveaways and stuff on fabtg.com, the, their Facebook pages, their social media pages, Twitter, etc. Um, this is some really cool like lore stuff and just kind of history behind Legend Story Studios and, and the launch of Flesh and Blood. If you want to go and check that out, I know there's an article with um, some sort of like OG community members. There's a there's a little quote from Luke Badger on there, the current world champion, Brendan, lest we forget Luke Badger, um, the Ira Deck world champion. So he's, you know, he might have to relinquish his title or he might be there to defend it mm. in a few weeks' time. I don't know. Uh, but yes, there is this, uh, this really cool article as well talking about kind of the, the first few weeks and, and launch of, of Flesh and Blood and Alice's kind of start. And just, um, it's pretty crazy to be honest, like looking back at this, I was reading these articles they published and just where we are now and, and what's happening, you know, and the fact that we're about to play the first world championship in just a few weeks. We've had two pro tours this year. We've had this. And more than a year now, more than 18 months, basically, of this this amazing organized play program. And um, it's going to culminate for 2022 in World Championships in three weeks' time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke Badger, I wonder I wonder if he'll be there with his Cognition Nodes deck. Uh, yeah. Oh, whoa, you can't spoil it. <laughs> it's already spoiled. The cat's out of the bag. Monkey's out of the box. Um, World Championships is very exciting. Uh sort of in line with one of our Patreon pods and one of the hot topics of Flesh and Blood. We are competing for the best player in the world. <laughs> we got some pretty interesting storylines uh, coming in to the World Championships. Obviously, Michael Hamilton on a tear, winning almost every tournament he touches, and Pablo Pintor back-to-backing the Pro Tours, as well as plenty of others that have just had accomplishments that I didn't think would happen in Flesh and Blood, especially this early, you know? double national champion like this this stuff is crazy and i think that world champ well the world championships this year is going to be the culmination of all of that mm-hmm. yep uh that kind of does it but i would recommend going check out this article it is there's a it's a basically a timeline history of of flesh and blood so far through the start october 11th 2019 in fact the launch uh it's quite a cool cool thing to have a look at Arben, we do have a command and cookout question this week, so maybe we'll we'll jump into that if you're if you're ready to go. Yeah, took Michael Fang and Yuanji out for some barbecue this weekend. Paid the price uh, to the porcelain gods the next day, it's, but um, I'm ready to go. All right, we have this question. It's uh, actually a question that comes from last week's episode. I do want to say as well, if you do want to get your questions in for the command and cookout, uh, we we did have a few questions coming over the week, which is awesome. I've got a, a bit of an accumulation of questions now, which we will we will start to read on the show. Uh, if you do want to get your question and read out on the podcast, you can do so. So many ways to do it. You can drop them in the YouTube comments below. Let us know it's a command and cookout question. You can tweet at us, DM us, email at us at arsenalpass at gmail.com. 
no one slipped a note to Brendan over the weekend, so a bit disappointed about that. But whatever way you want to get your questions in, you can do so. This question comes from Brody and was a question from uh, YouTube comments actually last week and says, uh, G'day from up in north in Darwin, which if you're not familiar is very, very far north in Australia, basically the desert, I would say. <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed the pod today. I wanted to put a question to the cookout segment about Dramai. Where does she sit in the meta and what is she supposed to be doing? I've picked her up recently and she struggles hard into low and wide, so fire, katsu, briar to an extent, and struggles into tall and narrow guardian and gets eaten alive by Viserai. Where do you two see as her best matchups and what do you think she's solved? Or do you think she's solved or is there still a way to go with her? Cheers, gents. Keep up the quality discourse. Thanks for the question, Brody. Uh, Brendan, what are, what are your kind of thoughts on Dramai? I guess Brody's talking more about, I'm guessing, Class Constructed, but we can talk a bit about Blitz as well. Of course, we're going to lead into a bit of a pod on Blitz. Yeah, um, I don't think it thrives in the sort of aggressive meta, even though we've kind of turned away from that recently with the pop, you know, the popularity of Oldham and Ice Summer coming back in as Prism has faded out. There still is a lot of Fi running around and enough Briar that you're right. Um, Dramai probably struggles into i only played the deck a few times uh it felt okay into briar but i can imagine defy that it would be kind of annoying um and i think that it, it if you're building the deck in the most sequitur way right like you have the dragons you've got your red cards yeah it, i think it is weak to those decks is there a version of the deck in which it could be successful in that format maybe um the true answer to that is like i don't know uh struggling into the sort of go tall decks i actually think it does okay into things like guardian um another pretty popular class constructed deck surprisingly is uh dorinthia which we i forgot to mention hayden there was a ridiculous amount of dorinthia at that sound at that like an unbelievable amount like one of the most represented decks maybe bravo was a good choice then yes and at like round three round four the this the table one like it was a very long table one was like Dorinthia. I was, I was, it blew my mind. Um, but yeah, I think that Jermai does struggle into the, like, does struggle particularly into the aggro decks, which makes me not want to pick it up at the moment. Uh, but I could see a world where there is, you know, some innovative deck building that goes, you know, behind that deck, and we maybe see a, a version of it that can be successful in this type of meta. But the thing is, like, I think if you're going to be, if you're going to, uh, have success in today's meta, you need to be able to... Um, you can't be a very narrow deck. I think you have to be able to attack quite a few different strategies, right? you got to be able to beat Oldham. Oldham's going to be there. And you got to be able to beat the aggro decks because they're going to be there as well. There's also Isolator okay. sort of looming behind that. But uh, yeah, you need a pretty all-encompassing, powerful strategy. And I don't know if you can just specifically target one thing right now. Yeah, I, I think... To answer Brody's first part of the question, I think from my perspective, like what is kind of the role of Dramai right now? And in Class Constructed, I think it's to prey on those decks like Ultimate Icelander. It's to be the kind of, um, you know, the the third part of that rock, paper, scissors, I guess, is what people might see Dramai as, is, you know, the, the deck that kind of uh, places or, or you know, is a, is a way to target the, the, the two ice decks that we're seeing played. I'll say the two we're being played because, of course, we do have Lexi, which is seeing less play uh, when it comes to being an ice deck. But then I think... Yeah, I agree. the 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 matchups that are tough for you are the aggressive matchups, in particular, Fire. I think is you know a very tough matchup, and we've seen Fire. We talked about it on the pod a lot last week, rising through post sort of the sort of second and third week of of nationals, and and be in that top five sort of representation of of decks, and uh, look look fairly strong as well. Um, in terms of, I guess, what you can do about it. I mean, if you are struggling to so. I guess low and wide, I understand, and, and that might just be the way that Jeremiah is looking right now. That, you know, you might be, need to be innovative, and there might be deck lists and ways that you can build it out there that, that could change those matchups. I have heard people say that they have a good matchup into Briar, so I don't know what the, those particular lists look like. That's not been my experience. Uh, but as well, if you're looking for, I guess, some, some ways to beat Guardians in particular, I would recommend going and checking out some of the coverage from the UK Nationals. I know Jamie Faulkner, I think his name, was playing Jeremiah in that, in that event and had a few games on camera in particular. Uh, I think he was the player who played against an Ultim as well in, in top eight. And um, you can see how they, they end up winning that game. So, um, yeah, there's, there's some good resources out there on Dramai as well. But I would say, yeah, you, you're looking to play Dramai into an Icelander and Ultim meta and have those game plans short up and, and maybe less so into an, an aggro meta. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see if someone takes that deck in a different direction. We saw that recently with Icelander with yes. Michael Hamilton. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I think that Jeremiah is by no means uh, quote unquote solved. No, that is, that's a good point to put out because Brody does ask about that. Definitely not. There's definitely, I'm sure, very different ways to look at it. And, and we've already seen some some iterations and innovation sort of in those lists come about. You know, we saw these like Chromide, Tomofiandel lists come sort of in the, la- the later few weeks of national season, et cetera. So um, something to, to look out for. But thank you for the question, Brody. Again, if you do want to get your questions out, questions in for the Commander Cookout, you can do so in your preferred method. But Brendan, uh, you, why don't you take us into the main topic? Talk to us about blitz i guess all right so to start it off i think we need to look back um at sort of what i perceive is the most relevant blitz data being the team tournament this is pre-uprising so in that tournament we did see a lot like old him by far being well, i think it was by far the best deck you know probably converted the best was sort of the pillar of everybody's team kasai was played a lot but i don't think it converted very well in that tournament or it converted you know well when it was played in the past into the old viscerai meta although it did put up some wins uh despite because viscerai i guess was found a bit late uh late into that season um outside of that we saw a bit of reinar at the team tournament and then quite a bit of chain and briar just sort of these premier aggro decks I think a very little bit of Prism. I don't think a lot of people are Prism, although it was a good call. Not much. Uh, yeah. Did well, though. Yeah. Did Ma- well. <laughs> Michael Fang on the sort of second place team, running running Prism in middle, running and getting into all the old hymns. And then we also had... Winning in Sydney. Winning in Sydney, Prism. Yep. And uh, yeah, after that, I guess we have we have Kano, which was uh, on a lot of sort of on a lot of the finals teams uh lineups right it's just interesting because in the in the team tournament you you have like every every pretty much every team that is trying to win right locks old him um there's obviously there's exceptions to that but old him was mostly going to be on every single team and then you had uh most likely an aggro deck or a counter old him deck something like prism um and then usually you kind of or throw Rana, it. Yep. Yeah. Or then the Kano kind of fits in that third spot unless you want to run another aggro deck or a Kasai deck. So the idea is like you run Kasai and it's sort of this uh, kind of middling deck that has fair and rel- you know, relatively 50-50-ish matchups into a lot of the field, I think. I think that was the idea behind Kasai. So it's kind of this boot for your team. Um, but yeah, that was what the meta looked like going in going into this sort of post-uprising and the current format of Blitz. So we obviously we had the bans, Hayden. So we, we banned Bloodsheet, Scalata, Mask of the Pouncing Link, and Storm Striders. Uh, very significant, and they shook up the meta quite a bit. Uh, first and foremost, Storm Striders, I think, completely deleted Kano out of the meta. I'm not saying that Kano is completely unplayable, but you're not going to see him at tournaments. Like, there's going to be a onesie, twosies, right? Like, a couple people that pet deck it are going to bring it. It's outside of that, unless somebody completely innovates the deck, uh, and plays it on a different on a different axis. Kano will virtually be not represented at most competitive blitz events. Uh, Blushy Scalata was a necessary ban, but it's not. I don't think it's really taking any decks out of the meta, right? Like I think Briar's still very playable um, right now, which is sort of I think it was like the premier deck that was using Blushy Scalata. And the Mask of the Pouncing Link is a very significant ban onto onto Fly. And I think that Phi suffered greatly from it. You know, Yonji's not so controversial tier list say that Phi was <laughs> living, legend. living legend. Nevertheless, yeah, yeah. go ahead. It's, it's a it's a big hit, right? Like, and actually, if you just want like a little bit of extra kind of like pepper in there of of the skirmish season five sort of results as well, like Phi was was winning a lot of skirmishes in that kind of season. I think in the last week alone, it it won the 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 most um skirmishes you know there's not great data for skirmish season five uh, other than just kind of some reports from the lss team but um you know five uh chain you know a deck that was doing very well uh reiner um ultim you know these decks the the narrative hadn't changed too much other than fired into the format right and then all of a sudden master the pouncing links gets banned as you say Yep, and uh, I do apologize when I talked about the Storm Shadows band. I did sort of gloss over Icelander there. Yeah, I think the Storm Shadows absolutely busted in Icelander. Basically made Icelander pretty, from what I understand, and after playing Icelander this weekend, I could see it. It probably put Icelander cl- relatively close to the power level of the old Viscerai combo deck. Um, just being able to play very, very efficiently on both sides of the turn cycle and having big burn to do so. Uh, way way too powerful and i think a lot of people saw that storm Shadows brand and thought that icelander was not going to be good anymore um so yeah showing up on the day hayden showing up on saturday i expect a lot of briar a lot of chain and a lot of old him um and i actually expected quite a bit of icelander as well 
Nevertheless, there's only four Icelanders in that field, which is a very small portion of it. It's mostly old him and actually mostly five. Five being, I think, the most played deck on the day. Like there, yeah, and very little, uh, very little chains and briars, at least relative relative to the amount of fives. So these are fives running, you know, for the most part, mask of momentum, which I think is quite a slow card in Blitz. Um, but yeah, uh, bubbling to the top, to that top eight, we see uh, a mostly old him top eight. We see one chain. There might have been, there was a briar in there and then a prism. So the prisms for the most part, because Michael Fang uh, also brought prism, kind of got eaten alive by these five decks. Uh, but one of them did kind of make it up to top eight and ultimately lost to Yuanji on Oldham, actually. But it was a very, it was a very, very aggressive Oldham list. Um, so, yeah. Moving forward, Hayden, I want to talk about like where I think that the Blitzman actually lies and sort of the immediate adjustments. And I think that. Yeah, I, go ahead. I think it's a good call. Yeah. I, was just saying, I think it's a good call because, like, you know, the representation you saw on the weekend, I think, is people adjusting and people. You know, probably just playing dicks then you five again had a phenomenal skirmish season five right well take the the quote-unquote best deck of that format maybe yeah it loses a card let's try it mm, but you know maybe that's not the reality going forward once people get a little bit of a handle on the format yeah for sure so i think that there's going to be an immediate ju- adjustment off of five to be honest um i also think that icelander will pa- pick back up in popularity in my opinion the icelander deck when I was playing that Icelander deck, it was not my list. I was playing it for the first time, and I think I had less than 10 games on Icelander total in my life uh, before I picked it up on that day. Every single game I pl- played felt fundamentally unfair in my advantage, and it felt like I just had a better deck than all of my opponents. So, yeah, thank you to Michael Fang. <laughs> but uh, that deck is relatively relatively straightforward to play, and I think that a lot of people will pick it up and find success with it. Um, that will sort of, if we talk two to four weeks in the future, I think that opens up the meta more for Prism if it becomes more Icelander old and heavy. But uh, I do expect a lot of these five players to shift back on to the Chains and the Briars because I think that those decks can be pretty successful uh, in the current state of the game. Hayden, on your side, I want to kind of ask you from the outside looking in and sort of your mm-hmm. own experience and recent testing with blitz where do you think the current uh like where do you think the current meta lies and what do you think are some underappreciated decks that are not being played blitzman is tough i think because it always seems to be i mean it rotates around traditionally skirmish seasons and then we've had uh a couple of events like the, the calling so the team calling and uh the calling utrecht which gives a little bit of kind of you know competitive injection outside of just a, a local scene with skirmish which is really interesting but the meta generally tends to revolve around like what do people want to play and what do they think can do well and what are like you know these game plans that are like executable and, and powerful so and then that usually translates to the big events as well you know like you talked about viscerai obviously the utrecht kind of meta and then uh at the the team event ultim was just like the pillar every every deck and i think all 12 across the top four had ultim uh it was just you know just too powerful to not play I think the way that I look at the Blitz meta, I've played at least one skirmish in all of the skirmish seasons so far and and played multiple in, in many of them. I, I like the Blitz format. I like to, it's where I like to kind of like try and be innovative and, and try and throw some stuff against the wall. And I think in this meta in particular, like if I just break it down from a theory standpoint, to me where it seems to come down to is like, what are the, the current powerful things and um, what are the decks to beat? So Ultim, yeah, losing Crown of Seeds is obviously big, but it still does like a really a really powerful thing. It still has like a, a really good way to play either aggressively or defensively and be able to switch the offhand shields are still really, really powerful uh, things that you have access to. So you, you still, you know, Salagwine in particular, I think is really, really strong. So you have that ability. And then you have these decks that don't want to play on that kind of axis. So Icelander, potentially maybe maybe Kano is, you know, it's it's just not good enough now with, with Storm Stratus, but Icelander still evidently as you pointed out Brendan, as you as you proved uh still a deck to to be reckoned with so you have that kind of there and, and now Icelander does play a bit more on that that uh of, i guess that combat damage axis to it to a degree and then you have these aggro decks so you have the chains the briars you talked about what the meta actually looks like in terms of what's the top dog there i think is what needs to probably be found out and that's what people are probably going to be trying to work out and i think that comes down to like what does the rest of the meta look like? So is it Ultim, Icelander, and then X Agro deck? Are they like the top three decks that people are looking at? And is that like, is it Plunder Run? Is that like the thing you want to do? Because that card is just obviously very, very good. It's banned in Class Constructor, but still legal in Blitz. Is that something you want to look to? Chain and Chain's ability, you know, Living Legend, but available in Blitz. Is that something you want to look to? Uh, 
And then I think outside of that, if I so if I said that was kind of the meta is, you know, maybe it's Icelander, Ultim, the best aggro deck, maybe the second best aggro deck, the top four, and then rounding out maybe the, the top five in terms of what I've expected representation and what this meta looks like is a deck that preys on, like you just said, maybe something like the Ultims and the uh, Icelanders and it's Prism. So are those, in my head, that's probably what the meta looks like in terms of the top five, where I think we, if we were to have another PTI event like we had last Sunday, this coming Sunday, that's kind of what I would expect the top five decks to look like. And that's how I expect people to approach the meta to start with. Where it goes from there, I don't know and how people change it. I think it's really, what I actually think it's going to hinge on is how people can attack this like Ultim and Icelander decks and what these aggro decks look like. Like what access does the aggro deck play on? Is it a deck that has access to a lot of resources and can be a bit better into Icelander for that reason? Or is it a deck that just goes like, yeah, Icelander is my bad matchup, but I, I smash these prisms, I smash the other aggro decks and I'm good into Ultim, for example. Yeah, I think it's important to note the dichotomy of Prism performance. Um, like, it, it's a good deck to prey on uh, the form, like an Ultim format that gets a bit degenerative, right? Like, a lot of people playing Ultim, whether it's aggressive Ultim or defensive, defensive obviously being the one that you'd probably want to play into as Prism. Um, but if we run, if we keep running into weekends where people are showing up, uh, I don't think it'll happen again where Fi is the most played deck, but even things like Briar mm-hmm. um, and Chain as the second most played deck it's gonna be a rough a rough format to bring prism to i do think that prism is sort of the great equalizer and no matter how much i doubt prism's ability to succeed in aggressive formats it tends to kind of still be successful so i wouldn't keep that in mind it's a deck i definitely have on my radar uh radar at the moment all right i just want to talk about the icelander deck and what it was that i played so it is effectively michael hamilton's uh right so it's an attack action uh I wouldn't say base, but it has quite a few attack actions as an Icelander deck. Things like Scar for a Scar, Wounded Bull, Vandal's Fighting Spirit, uh, Enlightened Strike. It runs Snapdragon Scalers and the Goliath Gauntlet. And basically what it wants to do is usually you go second. So you want to be the first player to sort of tempo the hand. And your best hands tend to look like Enlightened Strike, Snap, immediately Snapdragon, Goliath Gauntlet, Wounded Bull. Does it always happen? No, but you can get pretty close to it. You can even uh, Enlightened Strike, Snapdragon's uh, Coronet Peak, Enlightened Strike, or, you know, Scar for a Scar into a Wounded Bull, Scar for Scar into Aether Ice Vein. That's very, very good. Um, so it has access to quite a high threshold of damage on its own turn. Then it will draw its hand back up, ideally its Arsenal to Spell, and then it can sort of relatively efficiently play on the opponent's turn. The game does not go very long until you're already threatening lethal damage by doing that on the opponent's turn. Things like Emeritus Scolding, Ice Bolt, uh, stuff like that. So I think at the decks, <laughs> the deck fundamentally is just trying to ha- get more value out of its cards than the opponent. Uh, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And I think that this sort of this this group of people, what that being now Michael Hamilton and the uh, and Michael Fang, right? This group in New York, they have a very value and numeric and quantitative sort of approach to flesh and blood, and that is how they they build their decks. Less based off individual cards and sort of uh, you know specific synergistic interactions, but more based off if I can get plus one value over my opponent, um, you know maybe one or two times in the game, I will win said game. Um, and I think it's quite effective. And I think the, the Icelander deck, as you play it, you'll realize is the exact sort of personification of said, uh, said principle. Um, but yeah, quite an easy deck to play. It uh, tempos on its own turn and then has the ability to either, di- either disrupt or damage the opponent on their turn as well. Very, very good disruption tools in the form of Blizzard. Um, you can play hypothermia channel like frigid. So has a great package against these aggro decks. I think a lot of people would look at this deck and think that its hardest matchup is going to be something like a defensive old him. Uh, that's actually probably its easiest matchup. Old him without crown of siege just does not have enough cards to prevent the damage. Right. So if you do E strike into Goliath gauntlet, Vandal's fighting spirit on their turn, they should not have more than one card and you sort of have a burn window there. So, uh, and like we mentioned earlier, if they're defensive enough to not die via those burn windows, you always have the combo available and there's almost nothing old him can actually do about it. Uh, the hardest matchup is definitely by far Prism because when Prism plays Auras, Wizard just fundamentally cannot interact. Although you have things like Scar for Scar and E-Strike to attack uh, very relevant Auras, things like Arclight Sentinel, which you don't have a choice, uh, or maybe something like a Genesis, you will lose so much tempo in doing so that it is, it's quite painful. So that's probably the hardest matchup. Um, and outside of that, it just plays kind of like the the Bolander, the class constructed Bolander deck, but does it in Blitz. 
the thing that it gains in blitz is life total is a small one. it's a lot easier to get to a lethal window quicker like you said before and uh you know the reason that i think <laughs> storm striders was a, as a good ban in this format because i think it's particularly busted in in blitz is the fact that you get to create this final window of a turn and back to backing turns in a format where you start on very low life especially when you can push damage to start icelander still gets to do that even without storm striders because you can still put a blue into your arsenal and still waning moon plus emeritus or ice bolt or whatever and and push you know five six seven damage which is you know it's hard for you to talk about when creating windows once you get them to a lethal range and you come in with an attack or you, you push an Aether Ice Van or whatever, and then on their turn, like how much resources do they have left to be able to stop this damage that's coming at them? It's uh, it's very tough, I would say. So that's what I think makes Icelander, this, and particularly this, I guess this Icelander build, but I think Icelander in general good in this format is like just that ability to still be able to play on that final turn even without Storm Striders. With Storm Striders, I think just kind of crazy. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how to attack that as well, I think, because it's... Um, it's not fragile, let's say that. Yep. Uh, yeah, despite the Stormstriders ban, I do think that Icelander is kind of the best deck right now, which I say very hesitantly because I do not want <laughs> that deck to get banned. Uh, we'll have to see if it ends up being oppressive. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think that people can adjust to it, um, and the meta needs it's time fair. Time to adjust. Yeah, I think fundamentally That's it's pretty fair stuff. Very, very fair, right? We're playing Wounded Bull, and we're playing Snapdragon Scalers and Goliath Gauntlet. Um which honestly, when when you play that equipment, you'll see it feels extremely powerful because of the low life totals. Uh, but yeah, the the metal is shaken out. I recommend giving it giving it a shot. Like you said, just get Michael Hamilton's class constructor list, just break it into a blitz list. You pretty much got it there. The equipment though is the most important part. Snapdragon Sailors, Goliath Gauntlet, uh, just super super powerful with the stuff you can do with E Strike and even Scar for Scar if you are ahead on life total. Um, the equipment in Blitz has always been by far the most powerful and it always kind of struck me that that people didn't play these equipment like i think basically any any deck in this format recently from about sort of like i mean monarch tales Vary onwards like goliath Gauntlet to me has been the card that you play you know like hard and cross was in every deck i had and then best of the first fist has kind of taken that in a lot of decks obviously it's harder it has requirements so it's not as not as kind of crazy as as hard and cross was but you just fundamentally think, you know, you start with this equipment. Goliath Gauntlet is, is, is 10% of, you know, life totals. Uh, Vista Versus represents a card. When you only play three turns and you, you see 12 cards, you know, a card is worth, you know, a higher percentage than it is in Classic Constructor. So these equipment, the, the, the what they do in Blitz is just far, far and away. These one-time effects are just far, far and away more valuable in a format like Blitz than CC. And I think uh, because CC was the premier format for so long and, and Blitz, you know, used as this kind of secondary format, I think people forget that and think have their kind of CC cap on and sometimes you need to take that off and, and have the Blitz Blitz hat on and really focus on that. So uh, the equipment, I think, for me, is going to continue to drive a lot of what happens in the meta because I think those cards over and above kind of stand stand out and are going to do a lot of work, even in decks that... So I take a deck like Reiner, right? Like, I think Reiner's pretty fringe and I think... The reason for that, even though a lot of its bad matchups just got nerfed, it like it, it can struggle into these aggro decks. And then even Icelander, I don't think is like a, is, is a good matchup for you, even even with the kind of Stormstriders ban, because fundamentally your cards cost resources, and, and that's tough into Icelander. Um, plus, they can also do good trades, but you know you still can turn zero present twenty something damage, and and Glyph Gauntlet and uh, a chess piece that gives you resources is a big part of that. So you know these decks, I think, get the power from that. Dash is another example, I think, as well. You know, Avista the first first enables a maximum velocity turn, which is you know ten ten damages is half the opponent's life total. It's it's massive, and you're getting half that for free. Yeah, yeah. I I was surprised to not see as much dash to be honest. Like Reinar is one thing, and I think that Reinar is going to struggle into this meta. Dash. I think that deck is very, very strong, but he just it just loses to these defensive Olden decks, right? Like it's hard to pack, uh, be a jack of all trades in a dash and a dash blitz deck. Um, maybe that will change with Dynasty, but right now, Tackle Pounder feels like one of those powerful things you could be doing in like an aggro mirror, an aggro v mid range mirror. Uh, but gosh, you just so got to figure out that Olden matchup. I think that it's it's the same thing, though, right? It's the same thing as the equipment piece I just talked about. Like you start with Tackle Pounder, you start with you know you start with that percentage of life total four damage on the on the table right like you're already starting with with that there 100 percent of health yeah i mean blitz uh, it's funny because i know there's uh i think at this point sash like sash from our testing group and i disagree on this very much but blitz right now feels like a very value-oriented format um and i think that you know 
the Michaels, as I'll call them, have really nailed it and sort of the uh, the philosophy they have behind this deck and why it is successful. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, Blitz can degenerate into a format where it's a, it's like combo-esque, right? You have things like Viserai, maybe even Kano, uh, where it's not really value because the value you're hitting on Viserai is like, you know, 35 on like turn one of a Blitz of, of a blitz game. It's just not realistic and you can't outvalue that opponent going turn cycle to turn cycle. Right now, I think that that's a very reasonable thing to do. And if you can find more value than your opponent more consistently, you'll tend to win the game. The disruption package really helps with that because the, the decks that do go way above Matrix are things like Briar when they land Shannon Heroic um, or things like Basketball Momentum. So you need to be able to interact with the aggro decks or they will usually trade above above rate on you. So uh, Icelander does that perfectly. I want to talk about the biggest win, winner of the weekend, which I, <laughs> despite uh, you know, despite doing well with Icelander, I think that Oldham was the biggest winner. I think Oldham performed very well. And at the same time, I played into a myriad of Oldham decks. I played into defensive fatigue Oldham decks. I played into Oldham decks that were extremely aggressive. You know, they were running Pulverize, uh, the Rousey Ancients, things like that. And then also I played into like Pummel dot decks. So like Frost Fangs with like, uh, you know, six Pummel Oldham, all this kind of, this like disruption based Oldham. Um, that hero, despite the ban on Crown Seeds, uh, seems like it's potentially uh, still the pillar that it was. I, I'm not going to default say it's the best deck, but uh, there's a lot you can do with it. And I think that it's strong both as a defensive and more fatigue-oriented deck or just like an attrition-oriented deck and also as an aggressive deck. It's, it's very good. Yeah, I don't like using, I guess, tearless to stuff because I think stuff is just, it's too moldable and changeable and it really depends on like builds meta um pilots etc but i think like if you're looking at the kind of the decks that you need to understand and, and have some sort of plan into because they're going to show up and they are good and they're consistently good it, it is like ultimate and icelander i think and it's both because of how they are able to play defensively disruptively and offensively but different axes for each of them but they, they do a, they do a job that's really solid um so i think you need to have some sort of way to to interact with those, and the and the tough thing is they're on different axes. So it's like how do you what you might want to do into Ultima is different to what you might want to do into to Icelander, for example, right? Like Icelander, you were just saying before, like punishes a, a deck like that can go above rate, like with Channel Mount Heroic in the form of Briar, whereas that's harder for Ultima to punish, whereas they can punish uh, poor defense a bit more with their kind of on hit effects from mm-hmm. their from their combat chain. So. It's uh, different. I, I want to talk about just like the, the kind of the meta a little bit quickly because you said about, you know, what are the top decks, etc. I, I talked about those five decks before being Ultim, Icelander, probably two aggro decks, whether that's the two Rune Blades or maybe one of them is actually Dash, like we just talked about, and then a Prism. But then there's also these fringe things that I think you, you can be doing and especially if they've got this ability to really explode and, and like you say, play an unfair game. I mm-hmm. think those are always going to be able to be around the fringe. But then I think the other thing I didn't talk about is these decks that can potentially say, okay, I sacrifice one of X of those top matchups, but I just have this ability to play on a different axis. Mm-hmm. And a defensive dash could be that, right? Like not going to fatigue because of items, but also is going to be able to slow the game right down. Is that good in Blitz? I don't know, but like that could be an example. For instance, I think people are going to get innovative with their kind of ideas, I think is, mm-hmm. is probably what I'm leading to though. I think there's another category as well, um, which I will dub All Faithful. So Kasai, Dorinthia, Ira. Fair decks, <laughs> relatively fair decks in today's day and age. Uh, yeah, I think if you, I think if you bring Dorinthia to a Blitz tournament, you can actually win that tournament, hundred <laughs> percent. To be honest, uh, Kasai, I really am genuinely surprised how Kasai wins anything, but it tends to actually like you know there are some Kasais up at the top tables, there are some Kasais that tend mm-hmm. to keep having success, and I, I can't deny that. Bolton, yeah, Bolton sucks, but that's fine. Ira, on the other hand, like Ira, is still pretty powerful in my opinion. I think it's a it's a legitimate pick. Uh, it, it was a part from. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was a part of one of the winning teams back at the team tournament. Uh, I think that deck has just been finals. Yep, finals. finals. It was the 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 team that beat us in the semifinals was Ira Ultim Bravo, uh, which was Newson Zhang, uh, who's. I think operations and Alexis was was playing in that event and playing the the Ira deck, which beat me on Reiner twice <laughs> round last round of Swiss and then uh, the top the top eight the top four sorry um, and and yeah it still does its thing it's really consistent it does a similar thing we talked about of like playing on two axes it can play defensively because of Kazakh Flick Flack and you know Sigil etc but then also well offensively Mask Momentum Kadachi's good solid 
threats that are a good rate, you know, two for seven in the form of flying kick, etc. So yeah, agree. Those decks, Kasai can do the same thing, right? Has a fridge, can do a defensive thing, but also can do, you know, a reasonable aggro impression and a combo impression. Like Kasai can kind of like dip its toes into all three pools, if you say, you know, combo, aggro, defense, um, which is really interesting. So I think that's why those you're going to see those decks because they can win almost any game they play. Yeah, I think the Iris slept on a little bit. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kind of like mentally realizing that uh, flying kick combos like pretty equivalent in damage to something like Wounded Bull. <laughs> but uh, you know, like the, the Ira really explodes when it does get. Depends on how many flick flags you have. Does finally get that five card hand and it is able to throw that flying kick on the very end of the combat chain. It'd be quite devastating. Um, but yeah, I think that Old Faithful is a. Is, it's a good, it's it's a fine pick, right? And I think what you could, think you could take down any 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 tournament with it. To be honest, worlds maybe not, um, but yeah. Well, let's yep. find out. So the, the the power that that Icelander has is, you know, you can do that that eight seven or eight damage off two cards. Like Ira can't can't really do that. You know what I mean? Like it, it needs three cards to be able to do that. So it's it's it does more about functionality, I think. And I again just another kind of tick in Oldham's sorry Icelander's favor and and a little bit in Oldham right now as well is like the ability to play better off two cards than a lot of other decks in the format and that's relevant when you know maybe you're going first for example and you can present a threat but then next turn you need to you know, block with two cards and then still be able to present some damage and if you can present above rate damage that's going to set you up well especially as we talked about before when you get to play the last turn of the game in a kind of bookend fashion play yeah. those two turns in a row. Uh, yeah, I think to close here, just because it randomly popped in my head, just a little tip for any old time players out there that do find themselves across from an Icelander. I had uh, at least two old times on the tournament end up playing AB4 into me. So they played the uh, uh, Lantern and I'm sorry, they're playing AB5, uh, AB5 into me. It's it's pretty terrible, to be honest. Like if you think you're going to fatigue via AB5, you literally just don't have enough resources in your hand. Because I will attack you for, uh, you know, seven plus four on my good turns, but maybe seven plus seven on my great turns, right? And then we're going to go on to your turn, and you're not going to have any cards left if you didn't like damage. And if you decide to pass, I'm just going to do the attack action thing again, and that just kind of loops until you die. Um, and then if you do pack, uh, sort of any sort of healing cards, whether it be sing- uh, Sigil Solace, like the combo is always there. So. Don't put the AB5 in your equipment. Highly don't recommend. Uh, probably AB3 so you don't get smoked by Blue Aether Ice Vein. Uh, yeah, that's just my little recommendation if you are on Ulta. Yeah, I, I mean, my kind of takeaway so far is that, and I've said this on the pod multiple times, is that you're playing into Icelander. This is more for CC, but I, I think this converts over to Blitz as well, is that if you want to kill the Icelander, so, you know, I'm not talking about fatigue here, you're just talking about fatigue, but if you want to kill the Icelander, uh, Arcane Barrier is not really your friend. You don't want to be trading in your resources for damage prevention because that's how Icelander wins games. They make you play on their terms and then they're going to win because of it because Waning Moon is very, very good and very resource efficient. It's like, if you look at traditional wizard, right? It's like, okay, they don't have weapons, so I'm playing into four or five card hands. Not with Icelander. Icelander has access to a, an actual weapon. You know, it can push damage that way. So um, I, I think Arcane Barrier in general is, is a trap into Icelander and that's kind of what I've continued to say. I think one is generally correct in the class constructor format if you're playing a proactive deck because you probably are going to pay for aether ice veins and you're going to do that with the blue so you might as well prevent the one arcane damage and you can also prevent splits when they do one and stuff but in general i think you know sacrificing your equipment as we talked about in blitz just before sacrificing equipment and blitz is massive that's yeah, power equipment. for arcane barrier you know, as well it's like the worst yeah, you, that's like the worst that you're not you going to use yeah and you're playing on the axis so you sacrifice your goliath gauntlet and your vest the first for instance you've just lost probably five or six damage just right there and you need to to get the trading in two blues isn't going to get you that back because now you're down to six resources so not unless the game goes like five six seven eight turns and you're actually making back that that investment that you've taken away yeah i'm not saying you should play zero arcane barrier but if you think about, if you think if you think about it arcane barrier actually nets you like zero positive right like goliath gauntlet at is, best is, at best yeah goliath gauntlet is two damage um like snapdragon scaler is probably going to be around at like two to three damage right because instead of saying e-strike go again i can now e-strike snap um like there's just like okay. very simple like quantitative ways of breaking down some of that equipment if you look at arcane barrier it's just like always neutral it's like one of the worst things you can be doing in flesh and blood uh to be honest or at least in blitz the idea behind playing AB3 is like, okay, if I play zero AB, I can just kind of get ground out and the Icelander could be a very slow game and we play on their terms if I'm not presenting enough damage. But also, you know, there are quote unquote on hit effects with some of these arcane damage. So you now get 
you are going to have to discard to a uh, a blue Aetherized Fane if you do play one. So something to consider. But uh, yeah, I think Blitz right now is a very value-oriented format. And uh, Arcane Barrier is not exactly congruent with uh, trying to get the most value out of your equipment. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some some decks in the format. Then, like, what what's your kind of view on some of these aggro decks? Like, what does a good aggro deck look like right now, and what should it be trying to do? Like, I said before, you know, springs to mind. You talked about you you said Channel Mount Heroic. I said Plunder Run. Like, what are the, what are the cards right now? What are the decks potentially looking like to to be a good aggro deck? Like, is it is it actually because of the way the format is and, and the tax oriented? You know, if Icelander and Ultimate are both good decks, do you want to be a bit slower potentially, or is that just a trap that you fall into? Yeah. So the chain, I think the chain deck is quite good because I also think that if you play Eclipse and you also you know how to play chain, you kind of have relatively close to inevitability against Ultim. Um, that being said, you know if in Blitz, if an Ultim counter pitch stacks you or just ends up ripping a channel like Frigid on the turn that you're trying to go off, you don't have the life totals to sort of sit that wait and try to do it again uh it can be pretty devastating so uh something to consider i think briar is like very very powerful briar has access to, like both room blades have access to spell void which might be the way to go even against something like icelander um I, but they they kind of function off of explosivity like chain does it through uh generating shackles and exploding onto you in sort of the later turns of the game or just getting a single card advantage is kind of enough when you hit a bounding demigod off it or something and then briar has things like chain of Mount heroic embodiment of lightning um and so yeah i think uh, but if i'm looking to answer your question really if i'm looking at aggro decks i'm looking at those two aggro decks i'm not looking at five right now someone could come up with a more innovative build of fine make me sort of change my mind but the aggro decks to me are briar and chain and i'd probably err towards uh chain at the moment just because there's so much of this like uh more defensive old him running around um and i think the chain has pretty good matchup because they they really they can't I know I said counter pitch stack you, but uh, old him without crown of seeds and even with crown of seeds cannot do that to you because ch- due to the nature of uh, shackles banishing the top cards of your deck, you just like turbo through your deck. So they have to get pretty lucky. Hold. Yeah, they hold it in arsenal. They hold the card. Yeah, and play without the arsenal or they have to get lucky and draw it. Yeah, I mean, my kind of view is I think in theory, Brian might better into that matchup but into you know like the the soul shackle uh, the ability of chain is so powerful so i'm not sure right now the, the, i would say the other aggro deck that's worth taking a look at right now is, is dash you know yes the ultimate matchup might be abysmal because um tickler pounder is uh you know is just a far one you know you're on boost plan right so you're on a sort of one-way ticket to fatigue town but um and we've obviously seen it a lot in cc and, and that plan be fatigable in cc so that's interesting. Um, I will I will point out, you know, one of the the good kind of transitions is that in CC it's you know say forty life but sixty cards, whereas you're at twenty life and forty cards, so it's a, a bit more doable. I think the fatigue aspect is it's harder to be fatigued. I think if you're on a pure boost strategy in Blitz and it is in, in CC is kind of my takeaway. Um, and then I don't know, like there's there's kind of these other aggro things around the fringe. Like could could there be a fire build that we're just not looking at? You know, like a more Katsu esque fire build. Um, I think you know, a card like hundred hundred wins is, is very good, um, but obviously without mask, mask the pouncing links that becomes difficult. You know, I don't know is 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 Rhino still a deck that's in contention? Like I still want to play that deck, but is it is it the right decision? I I, I don't know. So um, there's there's some things to look at. I think in and around the format. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that I think that kind of sums it up for me, Hayden. Like that's that's really what I learned this weekend. That's my current thoughts on the Blitz format, and that's how I look look towards worlds um you know as we're about three weeks out here i do have a heavy heart after playing Icelander this weekend knowing that storm Shriders will never be unbanned until Icelander living legends despite kano not deserving such a heavy ha- like a, such a heavy ban hammer thrown at him uh, but yeah Icelander without if you want to take anything away from this podcast Icelander without storm Shriders is still in my opinion uh if not the best one of the best decks in the game um <laughs> so if you didn't have it on your radar you should. Uh, the list is out there. I know the Team Covenant recently played it on their stream at the time of this recording, which was Tuesday. So go check it out there. I would be super happy to give you the list myself, but I can't take credit for building that list. It was Michael Fang's list. He gave me it one hour before. Um, and yeah, I appreciate that. And I would say go check out their respective channels to get the the specific one. And um, yeah, all the credit goes to them on the, on that, that deck build. Yeah, I think good takeaways. Look, I 
we, we sit on different sides of the fence with the Stormstarters ban. I think it's a it's a good ban. I think Kano was very, very, very good in this format as well. So re- regardless of, you know, I know we can talk about it ad nauseum and, and results and things like that. But um, I think for the way forward with Blitz, it feels to me, you know, it, it just reinforced, I think, this weekend a good decision be- because of Icelander as well, right? Like you say, like that is a big part of it. But I, I still do think um, Kano is interesting. Uh, like zero Kano played at this event makes zero sense to me i think i don't think the deck is that poor i still think it's playable so you know like we still see five be the most played or second most played deck whatever it was but no kano like such a that seems crazy to me but yeah we'll, we'll see what happens we've got a few more of these pti uh events i don't know if they're blitz i assume they they might be blitz with uh, columbus coming up and things like that but um yeah we'll so, see we'll see a few more a few more events before we get to worlds the reason that happens is because if Stormshutter was still legal for Kano in some world, I would be willing to bet that Kano would still be less than 10% of the field. Just because that's just the amount of people that have put the practice into Kano, are willing sure. to play Kano, et cetera, et cetera. So you you tack on a band like this, like, yeah, all those people that were crazy enough to play in the first, they've just jumped to the other wizard, or, you know, they're on like the sort of cookie cutter Fi deck. I just think that like Kano's inherently the. Uh, I hate talking about it like this because it seems so elitist, but it does take a little bit longer to get proficient and comfortable with that deck than some other ones, you know? Yeah, it definitely can. I mean, I'll stand by that. I thought Kano was the best deck in the format of Blitz before this ban, but um, I will also agree that, you know, picking that deck up and piloting it and wanting to play that in events is is tough. Like, all your games are pretty hard. You start at 15 life. That's not easy. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, no Google review this week, um, but if you want to submit a Google review, you can check us out at ratethispodcast.com slash Arsenal Pass. The Google reviews, Google reviews, help us out a lot um, with SEO and just getting our names out there. Uh, we are also on YouTube, of course, youtube.com slash Arsenal Pass. Throw us a subscription. We're getting close to that 5,000 subscribers. Big goal for us. Hopefully, we can hit that before 2023, at least. Um, oh come on please we can hit it before the end of october we can hit it before the end of october i'm being modest and we'll do a giveaway we'll even do a giveaway that's cheating okay uh hayden and i are both on twitter i'm located at brendan apg hayden is at fien underscore dale f-y-e-n underscore dale uh i do think that we will do next week's episode live on twitter spaces so we'll record it as normal but we'll be using our phones as well to sort of do it live on twitter spaces so if if you're on twitter you can kind of listen in hayden and i I guess today we had to do a little backup, <laughs> but usually we just kind of cruise through these things. So there's no reason why we can't do it live. Um, and I love everything that Twitter Spaces offers uh, for the community. We could even, you know, we'll pro- likely stop the recording at the end and then open up a small Q and A as well if time allows us. Um, but yeah, Hayden, anything else to sort of close it out for this week? Oh, I just think if you've gotten to this far in the podcast, uh, Brendan, wh- why did we back up the podcast today? <laughs> because we never do it we never we never need to i think we've done every single podcast for the past two or three months in in one take if not if not longer but today was an exception there's only one thing there's only one thing that you know gets hayden and i fiery enough and that's uh yeah we a little bit of cano talk (laughs) i wonder if anybody thinks that like my sort of like my passion for that subject is feigned at all or if like we, we kind of do it up for the podcast because like uh, we straight up argued about that for like 10 minutes and then went and looked at data and like <laughs> it's just yeah so we had to do a little backsy upsies this week but next um, week we're back on, we're back we'll be back live yeah and we'll, we'll do two spaces which looking forward to and um yeah we'd love to have people drop in and, and we can definitely open up some questions based on the pod afterwards looking forward to it brendan yep see y'all next week Thanks, sweet.